welcome to the latest episode of the Endless Health Podcast. My tablet just froze there. I don't even know if the intro <laughs> happened, but we're here and we're ready to talk Celtic. Franny had a bit of PMS, but he's feeling better. My deadly duo <laughs> partner, how you doing, buddy? I mean, if I could show a text message for you, it's in quarter past eight, I would, but I didn't get out of you can't show the picture beforehand. Come on, we'll have to save them from that kind oh, of. No, we can't show that picture beforehand. Look, <laughs> <laughs> we're we'll starting a bit late. Franny was freaking out, doing breathing techniques and all. Like, look, he's got his living room. It's all looking well. The spotlights are on. Spotlights on, Franny. The plaster spotlights dry. on, Celtic. And the plaster's dried. Unbelievable, mate. But first, we don't have the fancy graphic of the Super Six. Francis, you're going to read out the top ten. Right, wait there, because for some reason I just came at it. Right, so top of the league is Kieran, I don't know his second name because it cuts off, with 166. Mark Robertson still in second. Uh, Alistair Jack, he's up to third. Joe Finley's there. Uh, Kevin Hampsey, Anthony Dunn, he's, he's gone down the table now. Willie Dobbins dropped in a few places as well. He's still in the top ten. Jamie McElduff, Stephen Coulter and Ryan Taylor. Stephen Coulthard should take his top soon, if no, the new, because Anthony... It feels, like, it, it, it feels like there's about 50 chapters to that story. Do you mean? Like, the, the, t- the T-shirt... I'm Anthony picked it up. He was at Ross's on Tuesday, so he better have picked it up. He did pick it up, and Ross told me he picked it up. So Stephen Coulthard, whenever Anthony drives over to you to give the, the prize, that's not a revenue door, but it is in Scotland, and it is made, and it's it's been there, and we've all, we all have one on the podcast yes. as well. Um, there's Stephen Coulthard, how good to have you along. Also, let everyone know, Franny is going to be in charge of the comments. As I said, my technical equipment is running quite slow, and it'll probably freeze if I start trying exactly. to bring up that. Uh, Don't worry, uh, Stephen, we'll be giving Anthony a disciplinary straight after this podcast. We'll be straight on him. <laughs> but, Franny, let's talk about the Champions League and Celtic Football Club in European football. The hot topic, I think of someone at TalkSport, said that what's the point of us being in the Champions League but before we get to all that and ask questions what we're going to do in the future and how we're going to improve how we're going to learn it seems like there'll be an ever evolving learning process with our club let's talk about the Atletico Madrid game over in Spain um, before we get into the actual the goals and the, the, the events that happened like in terms of the sending off and the, the six goals that we conceded like truthfully from your point of view how did you feel getting into the game I mean, well, I was on a Monday now. I, I, it was obviously a game I was looking forward to because of the the home leg. You were like, well, I mean, it's, it was always got to be a total different different type of game considering it was over there. They're a very formidable team. But I felt if you could get off to a good start, that you just you never know what... Like, sometimes against odds, obviously, I mean, we'll get into it. I'm maybe going to contradict myself a wee bit because I've got one lined up just in case for you, Stephen. But recent history maybe would tell you we probably wouldn't get the result in Europe. But you just you just never know. So I was I was optimistic for a change as as we know last year when it was coming to Super Six and things and Celtic in the Champions League. You're lucky if I picked this to win one game. <laughs> so you were back against us. I was I was Stephen. I was how, how do you think I won? <laughs> um, but I was. I wouldn't say I was I was confident, Stephen, but I thought you just you just never know. I, I always felt it was going to be a difficult night. I didn't think it was going to transpire how it did right enough, but I, I, it was was not fun to watch. It was not not fun to watch. 
it wasn't fun at all to watch. So it's watching with my granda and my granny, and I stayed for all six of the goals. I stayed right to the end. Like I do it watching every Celtic match, no, no, no matter what way the, the game goes, because I think it's a duty as a Celtic fan to sit through the, the pain and also fit, sit through the successful times. And in Europe, to be fair, it's been more pain than success the last uh, <laughs> 10 or 12 years. But, I mean, let's go into the game. I don't know where do we start, Franny. There's six goals that the pick... And, and we were discussing off air that we barely remember the six goals because we're trying to forget oh, about it that much. But <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to talk about some of them at least. And the first goal, I mean, Antoine Griezmann. We all know he's an absolute uh, superstar. I exactly feel that we'll learn from this. We're going to come on to that because it feels like this could be this is a process that Celtic have been going through for years and years. But um, in terms of the first goal, Griezmann, world class. I thought he was excellent on the night and. You've seen him at his best performing in a midfield role at times, tracking back and obviously contributing with two goals himself. And he's he's a wee bit annoying, isn't he? He's a, he's a bit mm-hmm. of an annoying so and so. But um, first goal, let's talk about it from a Celtic point of view. The ball got crossed in from a corner kick. Joe Hart, what's he out in it? And he should have grabbed the ball for me. I think the ball might have went out for a throw in or a captain play. Then it went into the box again. A flimsy header by Cal McGregor that was absolutely abysmal. Falls the Griezmann's feet, and like every world class striker does, he, he takes that opportunity, shoots first time, and ends up in the, the back of Joe Hart's goal. But starting with a, from, from your point of view again, two mistakes there. Joe Hart, for me, really, really caused that goal. He should have grabbed that. It, was, it, it wasn't far away from him. It wasn't like he had to run out in, in, a, in a crowd of bodies to reach it. It seemed like to me he, he, he was the favourite for the ball. The flimsiest punch I've ever seen, and ultimately it leads to us being punished in the sixth minute of the game. Uh, well, Ross, but the phrase me, Ross and Anthony, well, well said Joe Hart should catch that ball. I'm just like, not trying to make excuses for him, but I'm wondering, did he maybe see it late and just it was a reactionary punch? But for we'll me, he should, should be grabbing For me, he should be grabbing it all day long. And obviously, I think it does work its way out for a shy from there. But for as much as Joe Hart's got to to blame, I think Callum McGregor has to take a bit of the blame as well. His header back out was horrendous, absolutely terrible. I can remember watching the days of soccer game. John Terry was on that. He always, one of the best defenders, certainly in my time to play the game, always said, header the ball back out where it's comfy. Never header mm-hmm. it back. It's essentially a blind header for McGregor because even if he sort of heads it, like, obviously straight back out would be towards the... the the touchline, if you like, but then even if he kind of heads it straight up the park, if you like, maybe gets away with it, but he actually heads it towards the middle of the goal, which is just it's an absolute, for me, it's a horrendous header, and I think, again, the three years that Matt said at the time, I think he's got to take some of the blame, and from there, it's Griezmann, it connects well, Joe Hart might save if it isn't for the deflection, it takes it away from him, you just, you never know, but you're sitting thinking, going, I know it's early, early in the game, maybe five minutes, but we'd actually started the game pretty well, Stephen. I thought we looked comfy enough on the ball and things like that. So is, like, this the, oh, is this the is this the we competed for four minutes? The unlucky no, story again? A, no, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm meaning it's more you're looking at it going, we've actually got off to a pretty decent start in the sense that the ball's not hot, hot tatty. We're not desperate to get rid of mm. it. We look like we're confident enough on the ball. Um, and then, but then you're like sitting going, Five minutes in, it's typical Celtic in Europe. We lose a silly as much as it's a good strike. It's when you consider the Joe Hart mistake and the Callum McGregor. There's two mistake, the, two mistakes. Uh, it's it feels like a normal Celtic goal in Europe, but in yeah. fairness, I think we recruit 
we we regrouped well and looked confident. I agree that Simeone's how he laid out the team, it's five at the back really shocked me, but at the end of the day, it's what he does. And I think mm -hmm. that helped us kind of, I don't know if control the game is the right word, but we, we were confident enough in the ball and it allowed us just to kind of, after they went down, they scored the goal, you're sitting going, well, this this is not the, the start we want, but then they got back on the ball and showed a lot of confidence on the ball and we'll get it, but the, for me, the red card changes absolutely everything. Well, I don't know if it changes everything, Franny, but I'm maybe the scoreline. I'm not saying we'd go, but, aye, but I'm not saying we're going to win, but it just takes away any chance you've got to try to have a goal in that game. Yeah, and I think in terms of the Athletic setup, I mean, let's be fair, I think most teams go to their stadium or, or, or at home in their respective stadiums in the Champions League, and they probably have most of the possession. Athletic Madrid have never really been a possession-based team nah. under Simeone, albeit they're scoring more, more goals this season, but it's still the same. It's still the base. The the as well, oh, it's incredible. I know, but if you look at this, the spine of the team, I mean, Wetzel players of that ilk, and then you've got Griezmann, you've got Morata, you've got all these Loriente, who I think is absolutely yeah. fantastic. He's coming off the bench. He's, he, he's an well. incredible player. Yeah. Rodrigo Paul, he I think he was injured for the return again, but again, I suspend it. But I think it's a bit of a false pretense to say we were controlling the game or I don't think making, we looked good. But we looked good in yeah, the we looked good in the ball, we but the ball. I think that was Athletico was letting us do that. Do you know, I think if that that's a part of their game plan where you kind of fall into that false sense of security, yeah, and yeah, we're making schoolboy mistakes like watching Franny playing five. It's like hey, Franny's a good, he's a good deep line playmaker. But before we go on to the red, the red card, I want to talk about the two players we started off with, Joe Hart and Cal McGregor. But first of all, Cal McGregor. Now, I've seen a fair amount of comment on Cal McGregor, Cal Mac, and it's fair. He has to cop a bit of flack when he, when he deserves it. And look, a lot of people saying he hasn't been at his best this season. Is, is the years of playing football catching up on him or re-overreacting because he's having a bad maybe running the, running the team? Albeit we're winning games in the league, but I think it's more European football that people are talking about. Can you see a dip in, in form in, in Cal McGregor and, and what he's providing us as a team? I, I wouldn't say he's kind of been hitting the standards this season that he's set for his sale. But I think he's he still had plenty of good games and he still had, as a confident enough player, it's a guy you would, you would have in your team every week and stuff. So it, it's a strange one. Yet he has had poor performances as Europe. Try to think if he stood out, but then there's not. Well, he stood out obviously in the home game against Africa. I think everybody at a man was brilliant that night. Um, mm, yeah, that was also, yeah. so for big parts of that game, he, he was good. Um, again, so was the team. So he, he has performed, and even I know it doesn't really affect Celtic, but even for Scotland, he's, he's been good. So I don't, I wouldn't say the amount of games is catching up on him. Maybe should he start just, every game? Well, you've got all that sports science and all that nonsense now, Stephen. So yeah. you would you would assume that if he shouldn't be starting as many games, I mean, me with not being a professional, I would say no, he shouldn't start as many games. But it's just, as I say, you've got the sports science that is meant to back up just and justifying why he is playing. So for. For me, I would I would say I would like to see him rested more, but I don't. I wouldn't put that down to him being overplayed because I, I, maybe it's, I, I just think you've 
you've got the sports science there that I'll suggest that he's playing at his peak. He's not not burning out. So I don't know, Stephen. It's uh, the outside looking, and I would say he's played too many games. But sports science, yeah, I, definitely. I think it's like sports science is a good thing to have, but again, it clouds a lot of people's judgment if they say they're optimum levels for a certain amount of minutes. Cal mm-hmm. McGregor plays the most minutes in the team, so I do think he should be dipped in and out, especially at domestic level. I mean, you've got players who can play Awada, Bernardo, we've seen they can fill in in positions, but going on to Joe Hart, now, if we skipped to the last goal, right, the last goal was a bit of a, an absolute shambles, like the, a, a few of the goals we conceded. Mm-hmm. I think the ball was in the box again, I think it was Turnbull went for a tackle, missed it, and then it flicked up. Saul hit it with the tip of his toe. Joe Hart was inside the net, and I'm sure you've seen the, the picture and, and, and the video was going on Twitter, Franny. You're on Twitter a lot like myself, and it actually looks really embarrassing from Joe Hart's point of view. Then you go back to the first goal, the punch. I mean, there was a point after that goal we conceded the first time where the ball came into the box and he caught it, and you're looking, you're looking around, you're going, he should have done that. In the first place, and that first goal probably wouldn't have happened because the ball would have been out up the pitch in the opposite end. But that Joe Hart, right? It was a, a contentious subject in the summer about people saying, "Give him another year. He, he's good enough. He can perform." And then, I mean, for me, I think I've been pretty consistent. I always remember him saying when he first came in that Nuno, his manager of Spurs, was basically like, "You're not quick enough for this level." And when I watch him in the Champions League, his reaction times for me, I think, aren't, aren't great. Um, is his decision making isn't great at times, and obviously coming for the ball, he, he's just woeful at in European football for some reason. But is this a sign? I mean, if there's a sign from God or a sign from anybody that we need a new goalkeeper, I think that's it. And you could always go back to recruitment, which I'm sure we'll dip in and out of during this podcast. That's fair enough. But I think for me, that's a major, major issue on the board, the recruitment team on Rodgers himself, that we didn't even get a, a goalkeeper to challenge him or a goalkeeper superior to him in the summer? I mean, I, would, I think that's a fair comment that we, we didn't get somebody to at least challenge him. Uh, but I would also say the way Joe Hart has came across his two and a half year anyway that he's been here, it doesn't come across as being complacent that he takes his position for granted. He seems a very professional guy, very proud Of course guy. he's professional, yeah. So... But it would be easy for him to, for standards to drop maybe, and maybe we we'll, we could be over analysing it, thinking, well, there's no other chance on him. He's guaranteed his plays, so standards maybe are dropping for him. I think maybe age maybe is catching up on him. I know, is he 36, 37? And yeah. I'm not saying he's young for a goalkeeper, but it's, he can, goalkeepers at a certain level, you look at Craig Gordon for, us, for starters, they, they perform at that level. Fraser Foster's similar ages to Joe Hart, I think, and performs at that level so who would, here, who would you rather have Fraser Foster or Joe Hart Fraser Foster but mm. can they get Fraser Foster at the time yeah. Fraser Foster once we got sold a, we, we hung on if the thinking we were getting Fraser Foster and ended up with our favourite barcast even so <laughs> less said about that the better but I think possibly I think we're, we're over analysing Joe Hart a wee but yes I think we should be trying to get better than him I don't think we'll get that in January. We might come into that, so I'll not go too much into it. Um, we might come into recruitment, so I'll not go too much into it. But I think I would be surprised. If Joe Hart signs another deal at the end of the season, I would. I think it would be maybe because we bring in a, 
a young goalkeeper, maybe 22, mm. 23, with a bit of pedigree, and it's just that you will be you will be the number one, but Joe Hart's there to sort of uh, help him through it and things like that. It's like no getting away from it. Joe Hart has been a top class goalkeeper throughout the majority of his career. Has he been world class? No, it's, but he's been a really good goalkeeper for the majority of his career. Um, and the, like that second goal, that goal you're talking about, I could like I said, I think we've tried to forget a lot. Of them. I've not managed to watch it back in real time. And the video he sees in slow motion, so it's it's it, it looks he, he horrendous. He goes inside the net. He goes inside yes, the net. It looks from horrendous. It. But we all say that we shouldn't show stills, still images. We should show things in real time. We're making a judgment on a guy in a video slow motion. And if you actually, what I do remember of the goal was, Sal Sal actually goes to hit the ball first time, and fluffs his shot and controls it. So it actually fluffs his shot that bad that he controls it and it's actually second go to it. So if we've got to really look at this video, we need to give context that it was not like Joe Hart was just standing in two yards behind his line. He's maybe reacted to the first shot and it's momentum that is then taking him in and he's obviously just a natural. When you slow it down, it looks like an absolute delayed reaction. But I think if you watch that in real time, he's probably reacted to the first shot that Sal's, uh, Sal Negres is uh, fluffed and then incidentally controlled and then essentially toe-poked down so Joe Hart's momentum is then taking him in the box and he's just reacting to that shot which every person, every man in the dog will react to a shot mm. and not, he probably knows he's in the goal so I, I'm not reading too much in that video, I think the fact that it's been slowed down is very clever and very poor for a lot of folks I mean to be fair Franny like He's not good enough at that level. I, 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 there's no, it, there's it no, there's no, ration, there, there's no that, rationale for me I'm that says he's good Joe, enough. I'm not going to sit here and judge Joe Hart on a slow mo. But if I've seen it back in real time, and it's literally step by step of that video, and and, and I know you say the first shot he probably reacted to it, but a keeper with quick reflexes, quick judgment time reactions is moving back out to his line again, not sinking further back into it after he fluffs his line. So for me, even if that's the thing. Then you have to take that into consideration. Mark Kearney, the only thing I could think of is Hart was trying to get behind the line and angle away from skills. Yeah, there's there's possibilities in that, but I think we could. I mean, come on, we can all agree that for for European level, that probably the majority of our players aren't quite good enough, and that's simply the truth. But we'll come on to the the red card and uh, Rogers was fuming. Probably one of the only times I've actually seen him. Exactly, Mark. Probably one of the only times I've actually ever seen him maybe lose his cool a bit was the red card for, for Dyson Mieta. VAR reared its head again. Roger said today he'd rather get rid of it because it's not doing his job. I think Posse again said similar during the week after the the, the, the game that was uh, Chelsea and Spurs, which was manic as well. But um, Dyson from that tackle will be out for six weeks until the new year. Medial ligament damage, which is a an absolute blow for us, to be honest. But mm. looking at it, was it a red card? I mean... What I didn't like, and Rogers pointed it out, the first, as you said, rightly said about Joe, was the first thing that referee seen was the still image of Mieta's foot planted on your guy's uh, shin. And if you actually, as you said, watch it back in real time, Mieta's foot isn't even extended to the point where he's going in like that. It's a flimsy foot where he's just trying to connect with the ball. Both players yeah. collide. Yeah, trying to block the, the, the clearance that their player was making at the time. And again, athletic will play up to the dark arts and 
their players around the referee, Diego Simeone, does the Irish dancing jig at the touchline. Even the physios are up and he wouldn't let him on the pits at Parkhead and ask him. So all that kind of, I, I know that plays into the effect and the crowd as well. The first image. All right, Grant. That's <laughs> 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 a cracker. But um, the first image he sees was the, the still image and I think that planted the seed in his head to send Meta off. Look, for me, we had to give the referee a decision to make. Mm-hmm. It was, it, it was to me, it was, it was a fifty-fifty. But in them arenas, the European arena, the 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 rules are different from what you were used to. Name scales referenced that today. You don't get away with um, domestic tackles in European football because they're held to a different standard, a different kind of rule set for VAR. And again, it comes back to if you have a blanket rule for every association, every competition. You won't have to talk about this because you know what it is set in stone. But the main incident for you, Franny, you said it changed the whole entire game. How did you feel when that happened? It was just uh, it kind of it sat any sort of energy and belief that I thought we could get in and out of the game. I know we're down one 0 at the time, but as I say, I thought we we regrouped well. I appreciate Atletico Madrid set up and how they 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 want to play. Maybe helped us, allowed us to get on the ball and stuff. I just thought that just changed the whole dynamic of the, the game. And I do agree we gave the referee and far a decision to make. It was I think it was Brian Warren said that it was it was a naive challenge. I I, I can see what he means by that is but you can when you actually see it, it's going in to block him. A block the shot like a 50-50 type thing. And in fairness, the boy actually kicks him, but it's one of the ones where I know the boy kicks him, but it's for any time you see it, the, that person always gets a foul. It's not the person, strange enough, that's been kicked that gets a foul. And I say, what the whole carry on for Athletic Madrid, that didn't surprise me. We all know that's what they do. We know that's what they do. What annoys me most is the fact that the referee, for me, I felt that the referee was in a good position. He judged that. Where I'm getting annoyed with Vara's is the fact that it was meant to never re-referee games. Now, that referee's seen that decision and deemed that a yellow card. They've then said, essentially saying, no, this is a red card, you've got this wrong, you need to look at this again, which for me is re-refereeing Is that the clear and obvious thing, what it was meant to be introduced for? I don't think it's clear and and obvious. obvious. I don't think it's clear and obvious. And the fact that he had, like, he never taken long to think about it. He, He had about four or five replays, but... I'm not just saying this on the back. I've said it before. I don't think get any game when you're looking at. If you're asked to then look at the monitor, you should not be given still images. It. You should not be given slow motion of it. You should be given it in real time because then you can make a judgment on that and say that because any tackle, they say that still image is horrendous. And I think there's two other still images that folk have managed to pull for the game. One on Kyogo and can't remember who the other one was. And the, they look yep. horrendous, the challenges. But I think if you actually see them in real time, there's hee-haw in them, absolutely nothing in them. So I don't, I think, and for me, that was a, the big issue. The referee, first picture he sees isn't even a replay. It's a still image. It looked a horrendous challenge. I agree. That still image looks terrible. But so right away, he's gone over there going, I've, I think I've got this wrong. 
and in the first pitch of the season, Maeda's what looks like foot and right against Blanket. his ankle, and you're sitting going, I have got this wrong. So any replay, he's probably looking at going, but I don't need to see any replay. I've seen a still image. So that's where that's where I've got the issue with Stephen. I don't think VAR is being used right. I think it's been used to re-referee games across the board, not just in Europe, not just in Scotland. I just think it's been used uh, across the board just terribly. But for me, you look at it, right. that, so I, that, that changed the match for me. And I thought yeah. John Hartson talks a lot of nonsense. I'll give him that. Like he's he's so hey, so leave big bad John alone. I bet leave so him alone. At times it's embarrassing, but. I might take a bit of flight for this, and I can't expect it. But I think you can't judge Celtic on Tuesday night because of that red card. Franny, <laughs> Franny, let, let me tell you right now, we're going to be judging tonight. <laughs> we are going to be judging tonight. I See that pitch? See that shite narrative where people say you can't judge us against Athletic and Madrid? Well, we judge Celtic when we played them at Parkhead and drew two each, and it was a credible performance. We get beat six 0 we're going to be judging them and we're going to be asking know, what's next in European football. I think you can judge them, but I don't think you can judge Celtic's European campaign on one game where we were down to 10 men after 20 minutes and felt... So you don't ju- so you, you don't take into account the Farnor game where we lost two men. We're sent down to that. So we're right off two games in the campaign. Aye, good for it, Stephen. Aye. Right, no, no, no. Right, well, we'll come on to that a wee bit later on. Don't pick me like that. Don't, don't be poking the burr. <laughs> but I mean... <laughs> You mentioned VAR, right? And Corvo, 100%. It was brought in for clear and obvious goal scoring opportunities, clear and obvious uh, red cards, offsides, and that was a foul in the middle of the pitch. He, he wasn't shown the still image. It, it was a video pause until the ref. That's, still, that's a still image, isn't it? Well, yeah. I think, to be fair, what he means is not an actual picture. It's ah, of the actual incident, but it's, it's paused at that certain time frame. But I mean, you looked at you look at that, Franny. It was used for basically a foul in the middle of the pitch with no implication for a goal or an offside or an opportunity for any team to score. It was brought back. <laughs> it was brought brought back, and um, the the red card was given to Mieta. So me and me and Anthony seem to talk about this every time that we're on a podcast together. And look, I'm not going to go into the game because I think we've I've, well, we've covered it and like extensively for the last two weeks. But where do you stand on VAR and do you agree with Rogers? If this is what it's going to be used for, you might as well just bin it. I'd, I'd, I would bin it if this is what it's got to get uh, used for, but we know it's not going to. And the problem is, Rogers is maybe, could be part of the problem that why it's here. Managers complained about officials, said they weren't getting enough decisions right. We started with goal line technology, which I thought was a great, great tool, absolutely great tool. Um, Somehow in Scotland we've still not got that in, which is just madness. They have the uh, we watch though, don't they? It no, tells Scotland, them. no, we don't have goal, te- goal line technology. We do have goal line technology. No, we don't. We, Surely. We use, no, they use like VR, they use the cameras. We've not got goal line technology. Somebody we are 10 pretty, We are 10 part of that's true. I'm pretty more, pretty confident we have not got it. Um, but I don't. Uh, I don't think no, nah, it's definitely I, I would I would bin it the more I think your game is not set up for for VAR. I don't think it's I think we're we're changing our game like the rules have changed so much so many times since VAR's came in. I think we're changing our rules to suit the technology. 
and mm-hmm. when in reality, yeah. tells you technology, the technology doesn't suit the game. Like, I think it'll get their point. Would work. I you think it'll get their point. Okay, for offside, offside, but yeah. then when you start going into that, that's when you'll start going into the penalty decisions. But for me, I think guys potentially like Rogers, your clops, all your managers, they're they're to blame. Why VR's here? They complained about yep. referees saying there's too much money involved in football to to worry about it and think to to leave it all to human error. And they now think it's and now the human error's no left because it's humans running the technology. Humans that draw the lines on. So oh, why the fucking lines? Uh, the lines. So they they all realise that it's as I say it's still humans running it running the technology and it's I think what's happened with the audio, especially in England, some of the audio getting released to the decision making is just shown how chaotic it is when they're using some of the technology. So I for me I would ban it the more but there's absolutely no chance because of leagues have pumped too much money into it that it's not going anywhere anytime soon. And the managers what? are reaping what they saw at the end of the day. The most ironic, ironic thing is, frankly, that Celtic pay the most for VAR in Scottish football, and we get absolutely nothing from it. And you, you look at it as well. I mean, the whole—I think I'll get to a point what you were saying there, where if this continues on the trend that's going, there'll be no referee on the pitch. It'll be done by some voice coming down from the stadium, being like, "Found mm-hmm. the lap, I still mean, Tom McGinley, we try." Trying to briefly during the COVID season, the free free trial with Hearts and that Scottish Cup final had Hawkeye, but I don't think we've had it since. The Scottish football can't afford anything. It has to be a, a what do you call it, GoFundMe page to get a fucking pan chips. Do you know what I mean? We're pissing away money with VAR big time, 100%. I, t- I totally agree. And I think it's used, as you said, Franny, for the wrong things. But we'll, we'll look at the game. And what I want to talk about as well is the shape that Roger seemed to go with after the sending off. And I thought this was a bit, a bit stupid. <laughs> 20 years ago, goal line t- technology was football's only problem. Aye, 100%. Ah, Celtic Glasgow champions, you're right about that. But um, y- y- you look at it as well. You've really fucked my thought up here. Right? Hold on. <laughs> I can't remember where I was going. That's right. No, I, the shape, either Rogers and Celtic shape after the sending off. He went with a 4 4 3 2. What did you, I mean, what did you feel about that? I've seen a lot of people saying he should have went to shut up shop. Brung on Phillips, straight back five, three of the park and, and one up top and just kind, kind of play like that off the second balls. And it seemed like to me, once that's, he shaped up with the 4-3-2, we lost the wings. We couldn't defend the wings. When they were getting in in positions, they were picking us off quite easily. I thought the overloads on the left and right-hand side were incredible by Atletico Madrid at times. And they were picking us, picking us apart at will, to be honest. I think we were like a, a, a toy with no batteries, just being pushed around and that's what it felt like towards the end. Alistair Johnson himself saying he's never been in a game where he felt so powerless in, in terms of affecting it. So, did you think the shape was anything to do with it? Do you think Rogers could have tweaked differently? Do you think he could have made a change at half time to stem the stem the, the goals? I think so. It's on one hand you can say it's it's maybe bold that he's trying to keep. Give Kyogo help up top because I don't think it was two. I think it was one playing pretty close to. I think Palmer went up and played pretty close to Kyogo. So in one hand you can maybe look at and go, well that's pretty bold. He's he's maybe trusting his defenders, saying, well I'll let them have it wide. I know Marata's got to be a danger with the crossing, but I'm maybe got to try and trust my defenders to to defend 
majority of the crosses and we'll we'll see and we're getting enough of the ball that we might be able to play through and just try and compact keep as many players in the middle of the park where you where you were maybe got to try and control the game. So on one hand I could understand that, but I maybe for the benefit of hindsight you're sitting going, well, why don't you just go like the, the four four one, just try and keep four across the park, even if it's four like a flat four and like your wingers are not really advancing too far. I it becomes a hard shift for for Kyogo, but it's one of the ones you've got to kinda got to kinda suck up when you get a red card. I just I, I do think it was maybe I wouldn't say it's naive for Brendan Rogers, but I think maybe <laughs> with the benefit of hindsight, you maybe look and go, why did you know just go four four? Like put two banks of four on and just try and try and stay in it for as long as you can. And yep. hopefully hopefully get a corner, a set piece and whatever and maybe try and make something through there. But I'd, I think as I say, one hand that you can look and go, it was bold and brave, but on the other hand I'm like, well, probably probably a bit silly. Yeah, I, th- I think as well. If you look at the stats, look, Fatigo had 27 shots, we had one. Fatigo had 12 on target, we had one. They had 66% possession, we had 34. So, I mean, that's a trend that continues all throughout the stats that you can read online. And, hail, hail, Pam, good to have you along. And you, you look at it as well. I mean, as you said, the made a thing to change the game in, a, in an instance. I thought the shape, I think for me, he could have went with a, a five, flat back five. Played off the second balls and, and seen what happened there, but that's all in hindsight. So we don't know what really would have happened from that. And then obviously Murata got the goal in half time. Jimenez, there, the central defender, peeled off. I think the back post, Johnson, uh, Johnson's side, headed back across. Murata got in. Second half, Griezmann scored again. Murata scored an absolutely beautiful goal. Uh, L- Lino came on, the Brazilian oh, winger. Nice. First, first contribution to the match, fizzed in the top bag, Joe Hart's right hand side. And then Saul kind of rounded off the game. We talked about that code as well. But, Franny, I mean, let's have a wee chat about European football and uh, and where Celtic fit in that landscape now. The, the Champions League, for me, it, it's changing next year. It's going to get even tougher. There's no fallbacks into the Europa League, no more of the Conference League. So we kiss goodbye to fit, finish the third place. It's a league platform, basically. We have to play eight games. I think it's the top eight automatically qualify and then it's eight to 16th qualify for the, the last 32 and then the rest are out of the competition. I know Phil McGinley will know that all because I remember him saying mm-hmm. it in one of the Boise Bus podcasts. So if he can correct me on that, I'm pretty sure I'm along along the right lines if he's still watching. But um, where, where does Celtic fit in this European football landscape? And look, a lot of pundits raise their head, especially English ones when we get a hammer in Europe. And it's to be expected Talk sport especially, Sky Sports help putting the digs in and, and all that type of stuff. And look, we've been here before with Barcelona, with PSG, Real Madrid last year, 5-1 at the Bernabeu. Atletico Madrid, 6-0 this year. Kind of feels a bit different to me. It feels a bit shit. Where, where, do, where do we, as I said, where do we fit in this European football kind of world now? It's getting harder, Stephen, to fit at the top table, I feel like, in compete uh, like obviously uh, the the finances are a massive issue folk might not or will point to the fact that we've got money in the bank but just because we've got money in the bank it doesn't mean you can just automatically spend it it's who's got to do it for then ah well if you let me finish Steve I was going to say that 
we we don't know if the Celtic board were were trying to spend it or not. We'll we'll never know. They'll say they probably did. A lot of folk will with sort of a history to go off maybe we'll say, well we didn't believe you because there's there's not much of a body evidence to prove that when you're in a position of strength, your cash rich in the bank, you've went out and spent big without harping back to it. You go back to when Rogers qualified twice in a row for the Champions League, Harlem mm-hmm. you're in the bank. We didn't get John McGinn, we got Malumbu guys in back. Yeah. So people will rightly hark back to that. But I think it's it is getting I don't maybe I don't I, I don't think I'm getting conditioned to believe this way, but I, I do think I'm realistic to think that it's getting harder and harder. I mean, there's one there, John Rotary. There's the money they've spent and they're both sitting bottom of their groups right now. But Franny, you could use that the opposite of the scale, right? Spent, ben Freaker's got zero points and spent nineteen seven. 70 million or something so teams are spending money and no getting points in the yeah. Champions League Stephen and then I'm not going to sit here and pretend I didn't ask us to spend money I still want to spend money and I, I do buy I do believe that if you spend money on your seven, eight, nine million pound players it would stand to reason that that should be a better calibre of player that you mm-hmm. you should be getting so it should help you Logic would tell you that should then help you compete, but then you look at guys like Matt O'Reilly, one and a half million. He's, he he's was shaping Tuesday. He was, but again, the, the red card changes everything for everybody. I think um, he's competed well. Uh, who else we got? I think Hatate. He's competed well enough in Europe. So it does show you don't need to spend massive, but I do agree that you spend bigger money, you are reducing that risk. You're, you're, or you're, you're heightening mm-hmm. your chances of getting, competing. But I think Celtic's problem, we're all asking, like, you'll get folk asking for Champions League ready players. We're, we're not getting the players, unfortunately. I, I would like us to get more experienced players. Yeah. Maybe your Scott Sinclair type. Type yeah. of player at 29 you're not sitting going, Well, we need to hanky the sale on few of that. I think that's maybe where the board maybe need to go, right? Well, we can't look at every transfer and go, What we got to make off the guy. I think you need to get some some guys. I don't think you're getting a 28, 29 year old with, champ, with plenty of Champions League experience. It's just not happening because these guys are going for silly cash. I mean, there's guys even down in England going for silly cash, but uh. Uh, have hardly kicked the ball, so it's it's becoming a hard market, a hard done market for Celtic to deal in. The Saudi league's a big problem for I think as as well. I think they are, they can compete with players that me we maybe want. Obviously, I'm not saying we want guys that are essentially washed up, but guys like Sinclair and that who probably weren't going anywhere before they came to us is, would maybe look at the Saudi league now, whereas they would come to Celtic where there's probably players. Of that sort of out that caliber that might be like, well, I'm going to hold off and try and get to Saudi. I'm no really, I've made a bit of money, but for the last three four years, I can make plenty of money if I go to Saudi. So, I think, I, I think it's getting harder for for us to compete in Europe. I think it's hard. I, I think it's getting hard for our fans to accept the the finite like we're 
we're not as a big attraction as we as a fan like to believe we are anymore. Like it's, they say the money just elsewhere. Like the money in Spain, the money in England, it's the money even France, probably Holland's just pretty decent. Well, it's maybe some, it's maybe on par, but in Holland, but the, the quality of football you're playing against as well is better. So I just think it's, I think Celtic are almost trying to bid for players with at an auction with two hands tied behind their back, essentially trying to bid for players at times. I think it's getting harder and harder for us to buy the type of players. I think we need to try and find more Carter Vickers, more Jotas, two guys that weren't with no Champions League experience. Had to spend a wee bit, bit, bit of cash for them, but it just turns out they were decent players. Like I think we just need to try and find some of the players, sprinkle some of your Scots and Clare type of players that are 28, 29. Again, as I say, they'll probably not have the Champions League experience because, as I say, we're not getting that type of player in. But some they were a wee bit more, some more players were a wee bit more experienced. And I think they just um, like we're not never got to make great strides in the Champions League because we're not got to be able to spend the money that that's there to do that. But in the Europa League, if you if you drop down it, obviously you would need to go straight in it. That's that's the conundrum we're in now. It's I think we're just going to accept that you either you're not never got to sacrifice the league to try and get a decent run in the Europa League. So we're just going to have to accept Champions League football and what that what that provides for us now. You might find if we're qualifying for it year on year, you might be able to speculate a wee bit and spend a wee bit more cash year on year to try and do it. But I, I honestly don't know. Like I don't know where we sit in the European landscape now, Stephen, because if you look back at our history as well, it's 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 nothing's there. Well, nothing's really there to say that we're absolutely a Europe, European powerhouse. I mean... Recent in recent years, we've actually probably qualified for the last sixteen or played European football after Christmas more in the last ten years than we have in previous years. But folks choose to ignore that. Folks say we've won a game. In, folks say we've won a game at home, uh, a game in the Champions League since two thousand seventeen. But choose to ignore the fact that well, this is only our second campaign in the Champions League since then. So stats can be construed to look a certain way. But you can't win a comp- you can't win in a competition if you're not in it, Stephen. And look back to the recruitment side of things. You mentioned a great point there, experience. I think Rogers has said that he wants experience now. You can only work with so many project players. That's words that's come out of his mouth. So he wants mm-hmm. experience coming into January. I, I, I want some experience and, coming. Yeah, in. but you, you you mentioned you brought on the comment there about United and, and Newcastle, and this is what kind of annoys me because. You bring up clubs here spending mega money, six hundred million pound, whatever it is, a billion and a half in United's case in the last whatever, right? That's fair. Copenhagen done a job, and United they beat them for free, which was a fantastic result, no matter what turmoil Manchester it in. We used to be able to do that and, and give these teams a game. We can't. Copenhagen. I would say, are probably less off than us, but they're making a better fist of it in the Champions League than Celtic are at the minute. The teams in our in our campaign are probably comparable to what they have in theirs. I mean, United, as I said, are woeful this season. Uh, you, uh, you mentioned that. We're never going to do that, and I hope we don't, and I hope we never, ever, ever lose the league. But if, if we continue with the recruitment stuff for a second, 
No, Pam, I'm not annoyed. I'm actually in a quite sound mood. But you, you look at it from my point of view. You're mentioning these clubs like United, like Newcastle. Like Copenhagen, as I said, done a fantastic thing. We can't even do that no more. And it's like these clubs over a period of time will be successful because, yeah, they're spending copious amounts of money. But I don't think it's too much to ask to make a decent fist of it, to win a game. Do you know I mean? The draw in the game against Atletico Parkhead was a fantastic result. I was on speaking about it after, in the podcast after that match. Brilliant. But And then you said about the Europa League, when we've won games against Lazio home the way, I take all that on board. But we cannot sit still until the red card. Atletico would have taken six off him as well. But we cannot sit still year on year and come up with the same drivel year on year. That we can't afford a player, we can't afford a transfer fee, we can't compete because of too much money, we can't do this because they've got world class players. If you go back to Gordon Strachan's here, I mean, he had a team. What was that coming, Stephen? Come on. No, but that no. Are you, are you trying to say? Are you trying to say Kaka Seedorf Gattuso couldn't okay. couldn't morph it? Are you joking me right now, Franny? Are you joking me? Then? Come on here. I let you no, have I your think, thing. You can come back to me. You I can go back to me in a wee I, second. I, I gave Gordon Strachan, but wonders. Yeah, but this is what I'm saying. So, like, your football was different. I 100% agree. But the calibre of player is still the same calibre of player we're going to face in every Champions League campaign. We were beating United. We were beating Barcelona in 2012. We were beating uh, AC Milan, Shakhtar Donetsk, Benfica, even though they beat us away. We were still comfortably beating these teams at home. We fell off the face of a cliff. We failed to take advantage of the finance that we have in Scottish football. We've let that club come up from the third division and challenge us again, which I think is totally and wholly unacceptable from the board's point of view. We have 70 million in the bank, surplus cash. Fantastic. It's in the bank. But what good is it doing the playing staff in the bank when we need to improve? Do you know I mean? Yes, Stephen Murdoch, I'm tired of it as well. And I get the points of view where we can't spend these this amount of money. But, Franny, you made the point there. You said Sinclair. You said a, 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 a Carter Vickers, a Jada. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about going and spending 25 million quid on one individual. We, we're never going to be in the position to do that. But the board are happy asking the supporters for money for four kits a season for the Champions League packages, which go up year in, year out in price, for a stupid hydro event to celebrate the players of the year. They're putting that out there after we get smashed up against the Flanagan. I spent another couple hundred pounds to come and see the your heroes and legends, which I'm, I'm sure will be a fantastic event. But read the room. Fans are pumping money into this club year in, year out, and seeing no reward. We're seeing it at domestic level, but I think, yeah, that's great. But Rogers talked about making them roads. The board even spoke about making them roads. We've got targets in Europe this season. What's the targets? What's the targets? Because so far, and look, so far, apart from one game, we fell short of every target. Monday was funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and look, I know people like that would joke and laugh at me and, and stuff, which is fair enough. Everyone does. It's, it's grand. But I just think it comes to a point where... We, we as a support have to say enough's enough and demand more and demand more as a club because I'm fed up of being a whipping tool in the Champions League. I'm fed up of looking forward to every campaign and ultimately finish last or third in the group, which third in the group when that's 2017, maybe when we, when we won that game. It's not good enough. And Franny, I do agree with you at one point. We are not the club that we all think we are. 
We are not a powerhouse. Totally, we couldn't be further away from that at the minute, if, if we're honest. Roger spoke about adding physicality to the team. We didn't get it. He's making noise that he wanted more targets at the, at the end of the transfer window. He didn't get them, but he was happy enough to accept what he had. He's talking about now wanting more experience instead of project players. So what the support have been saying, and what the support have been laughed at by certain people, saying we want more quality players. Rogers is now saying that himself. So we're not blind. We're not stupid. We can see it. And no, no matter if there's tens of thousands of happy clappers willing to sit, take their soup and their warm bacon bops and whatever they get in the stadium, then it's never going to change. It's never going to change because oh, I feel like as a road, whatever, I feel like I'm talking Aries here, right? <laughs> I feel like in terms of people who want more, it's a minority now. People are too willing to accept what they're given, too willing to accept the excuse that we can't compete, too willing to accept the excuse we can't afford a transfer fee when we've got 70 plus million sitting in the bank. And next year, we'll be having the same conversation. Why isn't that working out? Because it's going to turn into a league campaign. And as you said, Franny, we're going to have to turn up and accept it now. We're going to accept eight beatings, eight hammerings in a row for us not having a teeny weeny bit of ambition to be like, we can improve left back. We can improve the goalkeeping situation. The, key, the, the goalkeeper, Levakovic, we all thought was 10 million euro plus. He went for 6 million euro. So he was affordable. He was in our price range at that time. So like, uh, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to come to you. Jonathan, we haven't got a like for like. Palmer's, I can see the potential there 100%. But Jonathan was exceptional in Champions League and, and European football. The stuff he could do. A one-off player, probably, in, we'll see in our in lifetimes by the way this board gets on. But there's so many areas of that team that has deficiencies. It's incredible. Alzer Johnson's form has dropped. Don't know why. But there's no one to come in and do a job like he does. Could you imagine if Ralston played against Atletico Madrid? It would have been an even worse game than we would have seen. And it's there's too many... Drops off the, the cliffs when we bring in a, a substitute or we bring in a replacement player. The level drops considerably, and that's not good enough. We were crying out for first-team ready players. We didn't get it. And we're sitting here, as I said in the summer, we would be sitting here discussing, where are we in European football? We're nowhere. We are a basket case of a club in European football. And we sometimes we get a, a draw against Nefratico, which is fantastic. As I said, and I'll always say it was a great result. But one result out of 20, one result out of 10 isn't good enough for a club like us. And I'm fed up of listening to people say, but we don't know if the board done this, but we don't know if the board tried to sign this player. We do know because Rogers has said it himself. They missed out on targets. He wants experience. He doesn't want any more project players. But we're still sitting here going, will Yang be a brilliant Champions League player? Will Palmer do it? We just don't know because we have to give them two or three years because they're learning. Shouldn't be the case, and it's totally unacceptable. We've stood still as a club. We've got the most amount of turnover, more than Farnall, by the way, who you, you said Dutch clubs. We're cash rich. We're richer than them, and still we're accepting rice pudding and a rice cake. It's a shambles. Shambles in Europe. Brilliant domestically, <laughs> but a shambles in Europe. Ah, it's, I mean, it's hard to, to, to argue, but then go and tell me, Tell me the last time we were brilliant in Europe then. Brilliant, it's not about being brilliant, but being competitive and winning games. 
you have to win games. You cannot yeah, go to the... trying to win, win games. And I of think course they're, they're trying, man, but we're coming up short. We're coming up short. Yeah, I agree. It's, so, it's, aye, but that's what I mean, is they're being competitive in games and it's fine margins at that level. Fine margins yeah. at that level can punish you. So, and and, I, and I'm not sitting here and saying we can't improve, we can't do better. Of course we can get a better left-back. Of course we can get a better goalkeeper. Of course we can get a better wherever. But sometimes, like, you look at Maeda, who's a player that well can yeah. rate. Postacoglu said he tried to, that was one of his first signs. Ten him, what was it, six months to get him? A year? So sometimes you just kind of get that signing. Now, I agree, Rogers has kind of, I think he said some some maybe smart things and saying, well, I'm happy with what I've got because he's got to try and keep the peace. But he's also kind of dropping these subtle hints, maybe saying, well, I want a wee bit more experience. Will we get that in January? I don't know because I think it's a hard window to deal with. I think your better business generally is always done in the summer. So I, I, I agree. I want more experience. I want what we would argue are first-team ready players. I th- like I don't think he signed the majority of players thinking they're not going to be first-team ready players. I think he bring them in thinking these have got to impact the first team. You can't help the injuries that's kind of happened. Like he spent three and a half million on Lagerbelka. I think he might be an bad player, but he's, he needs to Doesn't fancy him. Doesn't seem like he fancies him. Well, I, I, I don't think it's that. It's Carter Vickers is obviously number one. Yes, he's been injured. Yeah. But are you dropping them skills for anybody right now? To be honest, probably no. No, probably I, I, I agree with that sentiment. So, I do agree with that. I don't. I don't think he's. I don't think he doesn't rate Lagerbelka. I just think it's well. Why? Why can you realistically drop, drop Liam skills right now? But on the flip, it what I will say is, if you look at your starting eleven, name their strongest starting eleven. The now, what would you have? You probably have one. One summer signing, and that's Palmer. And that's not then, good enough. You could then argue, you could argue that the recruitment hasn't been good enough. I, I do agree with that, but I think Narofsky can can feel hard done by because he's been out injured. We can't account for Liam Scales's rise to to form and things like that. Tilio has been injured, but and things so there has been mitigating factors. I just think I wouldn't call myself a happy clapper up. I just try and look. I wasn't at calling you that, by the way. I wasn't no, no. calling you that. I just, I'm just mean. I, I, I just try and look at it. Try and be a wee bit more balanced. I, I want us to push the board out, Stephen. Of course, I do. I think every fan wants us to push the board out, put a uh, push the boat out more. You, you all want. To, we always want to succeed. We are in a great position to do it. From a financial point of view, I agree. Manager's point of view, we've got a great manager. Foundations are all there. We, we're in a great position. I just think geographically we're in a horrendous position and we can't ignore that. I don't think we have the, the power we, we had even four or five years ago to try and bring some some level, some level players to Scotland. It's, it is getting hard. I do think we maybe should try and pay more wages, but... It's not again. It's not that we can't afford it, but people maybe will hop back to well, Larson and Sutton were on big money, but you were getting a lot more money for. You. I think back when Hartson and Larson were coming in, we were probably getting about fifty million pound the Scottish League off Sky. The English Premier League was getting about seventy five. We were competing with England then. 
well, we're not competing with your Man United, your Arsenal's, and uh, but money wise, we were getting decent money back then. This guy and the Satanta deal ruined that. Now, mm-hmm. you you look at it now, what did we get three million or so? Do you know something funny? And look, I'm not bringing any other game. Um, this is not a dig, so please, anyone watching, do not take this as a dig. But the women's FA Cup is more prize money than I think the Scottish Cup and the Scottish League Cup. So. I think so. So, and I mean that's fair play to them. Fair play to them. They're they're, they're they can afford to do it. But I I think we don't advertise our game well. I don't think we help it be. Not seeing us anyway. I think we are very supportive of the Scottish League in a sense that we do big it up. I'm not going to sit and say the quality is the best, but I think as a entertainment. Oh, us as a podcast. I I I think yeah yeah. uh, I think as entertainment as as a product, I I I like the Scottish game, but I don't think the powers that be advertise it properly. And I'm not to we've got to get the volumes that the EPL get, but. that I think we could get more money if it if if the powers it be uh, sort of advertised their game a, a bit better if, and things like that. So it, it, there's a lot of reasons I think why we're maybe struggling to get get the guys in that a lot is want. I don't think it's for the want to trying. I just think it's getting harder and harder. Just the money that guy like. Ben Doak was reportedly offered 12, 12 grand a week to go to Liverpool at 16 year old. It's hard to compete with that at the end of the day. Celtic, we just, we just can't. I just don't see how we do it. It's, I would love us so to is go it, spend, it, spend silly money, spend that 72 million which is in the bank. And, but it's just not going to happen. I, I, I think, I don't see, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility. Maybe going by four or five players at six, seven, eight million. Not need and many do you say five players at what, sorry? Six, six seven million. million. Uh-huh. What's that's thirty five? Thirty five statements, fucking easy money. Thirty million. Sorry. Well excuse the calculator, but <laughs> so <laughs> I I think you could do that and as I as I said earlier it would suggest spending that level of money on a player would suggest that you're buying a better calibre of player. But just spending money is not necessarily the, always the answer. You need to buy the right I know player. That. You need to buy, quali- I know you need to buy quality. But I think if you did buy that level of players year on year, it doesn't need to be at that level buying five or six of them year on year. But if you, if you can do that and consistently do that, I think you can improve. But as I say, it's it's for me. I think it's the the thing I keep up from. But I think it's getting harder to attract these players to Scotland. Uh, look, I get that, right? And I know we've spent a lot here talking about recruitment and things, and 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 that, that that's that's okay. I know the comments. Like I can see there's over two hundred eighty four mm-hmm. comments. I appreciate everyone get, getting on there. Uh, Joseph Agnew, Franny, big money. Not the answer. There's only two teams to get in the final, so other teams spend the big money or not in the final. Not all problems. Uh, Doke, just play him. Ah, yeah. well, but don't know about Doke if it could have worked out itself like he's away now. But, I mean, you say it's, it's harder to attract. I totally agree with you in that instance. But we have to try, man. We have to take these risks. Otherwise, we're going to begin into every campaign as the people, as the team that everyone wants to play. 
No, actually, it's it's my child's calculator, but uh, it was it was the closest thing to me. But um, it's it's just one of them things. Like it, it annoys me greatly that we don't push the boat out a wee bit. No one's saying spend the seventy two million pounds. Yeah, no one's spending that at all. No one's saying spend all that at all. And I think people get the wrong kind of conception when people are saying, "Why can we not spend more?" What I'm saying is, look, if you looked at the left back position. Chuck eight million pound at it. Take the risk of see it happens. If you're looking at the goalkeeper position, just pay the money for Levakovic, bring him into the club. Could have been two days maybe, done. Do you know what I mean? There's not maybe we did, Stephen, but Garth is Garth Hassery went to win it. And I think they can offer silly money when it comes to wages. Of course they can. Let's be honest. But then is, is there another is there another list of goalkeepers though? Yeah, there maybe is, but folk would then so that's one thing I have got an issue with because then you would go, right, we didn't get Levakovic, we got this guy. Know, oh, so yeah. you couldn't get your first guy, couldn't get the first option. Can couldn't get Rogers' first option. So the, you, for some folk you can't win regardless of what you do. Nah, I, no, I get that. I get that. And look, we're gonna have to stay on the board just for a wee while longer. Like we all know the Champions League and, and Celtic get people riled up and it's great to see the passion is still there among the supports. You know and I mean that's what it's all about, debating all that at the end of the day. But another thing that's raging on at the minute, is the two and a throw the battle between the Green Brigade and the Celtic PLC, or the board, as people are calling them at the minute. Obviously, there's a divide among the support in terms of whether allegiance lie. There's been a statement released, frankly, by Celtic yesterday, I think it was, via email, and then on the website, basically debunking most of the things <laughs> debunking most of the things that the Green Brigade were saying in their first statement about the trying to initiate communication, all this type of stuff, pyrotechnics, fireworks, breaking in, allegations and stuff, and then the Green Brigade get back today. Now, if I can find it, I'm not going to read all of it, but Ross sent it in here. Um, so one of the first bullet points of the Green Brigade statement today was, we see very little in the continuing this online game of statement tennis, which was initiated by the PLC board, and which it continues to draw out by repeating the same disingenuous claims that we've already addressed. We note that the PLC board claims to be open to dialogue and engagement. We remind them that we've been waiting for a meeting with Chief Executive Michael Nicholson since the summer. The planned meeting, so on and so on, didn't happen, and they're still waiting and not going on. Should our situation not be satisfactorily resolved by Celtic v Motherwell on the 25th, we'll organise a day of action at this match. So basically, there's a bit of, bit of threatening in there as well. But wh- where do you stand in this situation? I mean, for me personally, I think the, the Palestinian flags of Palestine conflict that's going on at the moment that was the straw that broke the camels back to the Celtic board and they used every other excuse as a smokescreen to get them out of the club and to, to stop that political aspect being took among the support and especially in that section albeit other supporters have took it all on their own will to bring in Palestine support Palestine flag sorry and wave them at games and they can't ban them all I suppose so crowd wins in that one but wh- where do you stand Franny in this situation it seems to be ongoing and deflecting away from issues that we're facing on the pitch at the minute, which isn't great, to be honest. Uh, well, what I would say, Stephen, if anybody that are maybe sitting on the fence or are getting a wee bit pissed off at the Green Brigade and can't be asked for them anymore, go and listen to the first 10 minutes of Boyce's Thursday night forum, Mark Kearney, makes an absolute great point regarding them. Absolute great point regarding them. And they use... The Palestinian flag and the palace what's happening over there to try and say this is why we're banned 
and fans even saying that's why they're banned. I think it's it's best of the green brigade. I think that just shows the level level of them. If they're using a war. What is happening over there to try and somehow use this for their cause? For me, that's just tells me everything you need to know. But they folk, I just. I'm not saying that I, I was maybe willing to cut them a wee bit of slack, at the, but then they just keep pushing, pushing everything and using using what's happening over there to try and suggest that's why it's got to this stage. And for me, I, I can't be asked with it anymore when if that's what they're saying. If that's what's I've read their statement, I think it's very, very self entitled. It's very all about us, which I think they think they are. They're, they like they even saying that they were but they, they well first of all can I'll go back and what I will do is I'll give them a lot a lot of credit. They do a lot of good charitable work. Not gonna take that mm-hmm. away from them. That's and I know the past and then flag this the, the recent uh, flying of the the past and then flag it's a thing they do yearly. I don't think it's at that time that I know they that they've supported it year on year for for many years. We've been at even when I was a season ticket, can I can recall past and the flags being there. So I know this is not a jumping on the bandwagon for them. I think maybe the timing of it and the wording in that message was ill thought. Uh, but again, I was willing to cut them slack at the time because we were a club open to all. So. We you've got to kind of try and live by that, I suppose. If you want, I have said that I, I think politics and football, or politics and sport, don't mix. I don't think it, it should be there. Celtic, I will admit the board uh, made a rod for them back when they obviously invited Ukrainians in for the Shakhtar game, and that it was that for me that was just a PR stunt for them. Mm-hmm. And they essentially shot themselves in the foot way. The the Palestinian thing saying that they don't a lot it's not my understanding is not that they didn't want it's UEFA have said nobody's to do it so to an extent Celtic's hands are tied in when it comes to in Europe that it's not that they can't have flags it's Celtic have got well Celtic of Europe are, UEFA are saying you have not to do it fly it in their competition rightly or wrongly they've not you're not to do it so it's for me it's that's where Celtic have maybe got maybe could have maybe fought a wee bit better and just as like, well you were all right with the Ukrainian flag flying, why why should a different flag matter? Because for me, when it comes to politics and sport, somebody's cause is always more important than the next person's. Hence why I don't think it should be involved in sport. Um but Celtic have obviously read really doubt issues that they've had with the Green Brigade. The Green Brigade have came back and said that they've had, they they were promised meetings that didn't happen. And how many other fans get promised meetings with the CEO? Well, with Michael Nicholson, they they fans getting that. Mere years not getting that kind of meeting, but they've got an issue because it's been delayed and no meeting. It's on my board. My time's on my board. (laughs) So for me, I know a lot of fans will be on the Green Brigade side, and that's that's fair enough. Um. It would be interesting what a lot of fans would say if an Israeli man was rocked up oh. the Israeli flag at the park. No, 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 no. Right. I don't, I don't club, think that would be an issue. A, a club open to all, but it'd be interesting. And, and a wee bit of me, Celtic's hands were tied a bit with it. They've, they've got an Israeli internationalist as well, so they've got to kind of, there's certain things they would have to do. 
and that's if I remember right for me. If I remember right, Franny, I think one of the league celebrations the Bada had a Israeli flag wrapped around him, so I don't think there's any issue with that. Like, but if I if I remember correctly, well, he obviously made a statement. Beaton made a statement after what happened October seventh, and that's not me saying that it all started then. I know it didn't. Um, without getting all into it, but then we've seen we've seen the sort of backlash for Celtic fans off the back of that. So I think there might. There might be wee tensions if you've done that, um, but for me, I, but I, I've, I think I've washed my hands with the Green Brigade, Stephen. As I say, I will commend them. I'll support them with any charitable work to do, any charity because anybody that's willing to give up their free time for charity can, should be commended. Yep. You should not say anybody that does that, whether you're doing it for five minutes or five weeks, whatever. You should be commended for any charitable work that you do, because as I say, you're giving up your free time. Majority of folk that do it, and they say they do great things for food banks. I've done plenty of things for the for Palestinians, and I think, to my understanding, they actually they've went a wee bit extra mile with that stuff in the sense that they make sure any charitable work they do is reaching the right people. Yep. So, I mean, fair play to them for that. Totally, will as I say, will support them all the way for that, but. They have had issues. We've had they have had caused Celtic bother um, throughout the years recently. So it's one of them. It's uh, do that. Does there need to be common ground? I, I don't know. At the end of the day, it's Celtic. They fans, whether we like to admit it or not, we didn't own the stadium. Didn't own the stadium. So we, I didn't go into my work and expect to do what I want. Because I didn't own that building, so a fan shouldn't have gone to a stadium and expect to be able to do what he wants, be able to do what they want. So there has to be rules within a stadium. There has to be rules within it. So for me, I've, as I say, I've washed my hands with them. Some a lot, and a lot is based on the fact that they keep pushing their cause and using what's happening over in Palestine as a reason why Celtic are banning them. And I think that just shows you the level of them. Um. <laughs> I'd be interested to see what the comments say, but I think there's a, probably a few 50-50 uh, ones in there. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. But, I mean, I do. It's, for me, you mentioned common ground. I hey, hope there is common I ground. That's, I think folk are too if Celtic, Park, if Celtic Park is a library without the others, then what does it say about the other 56,000 on the ground? Look, again, I know there was the atmosphere and all before. Against, there was atmosphere for it. A hundred percent, but without getting drawn into that aspect of things, I think we covered that kind of atmosphere. Yeah, San Fran. But look, I hope there's open dialogue between the club and them. I hope it gets resolved. It seems to me it's went past. It seems to me it's went past tit for tat. Now this is going to be resolved by good conflict resolution in terms of people represented as meeting Mate, with the, the Green fans in the world. Fans oh, of in the course, world. of course, of course they are. But we know they've got special they privileges or the way. Exactly. Away grounds, their home grounds. They have the tickets that, and they've been treated well to an extent. And look, and it's it's well known that going to away games in Europe and the rest of the you're told to sit with you sit because the Green Brigade will sit together. Yeah. Uh, that, well, look, that's not right. Yeah. That's not right. Uh, of course not. People have different opinions of things they got. Like, I want them back in the ground. I think they add something to the ground, and I hope this isn't the end of the Green Brigade. And like you said, Franny, the, the charitable work to do is fantastic. And the people, people fight, and not fight. People like to express different causes, different 
I don't know what you could say, flags, cultures, and, and, and emblems and things like that. Look, and I, I agree. I yeah, I, I agree with the aspect of what you said. It shouldn't be using a conflict to push their agenda. That shouldn't be happening. A hundred percent I agree with that. But at the end of the day, I still am of the firm belief that this was the smokescreen the board took act acted on to, to oh, bring up a whole list to bring up a whole oh, list of incidents because for me, Franny, why did they not after two or three of the long pages that they sent out of the incidents, why did they not ban them then? Why did they not put them in the suspension then? They waited till now because they know as you said, Yef has put the foot down, Yef has put pressure on the board. They're thinking to themselves, fuck, we're in trouble here. We know we know what the Green Brigade are going to do. Let's take a bit of action now. Wait until the heat comes down. Obviously, since then, there's been back and forth. It's escalated the situation between the board and the Green Brigade. And it looks like, for now, their season books have been suspended. And what was that on the statement? They're, they're going to be giving away the seats for free or something? I don't know. There was a big kick-up about this, that they're, they're, they're going to be putting suppose, people in the real seat. I mean, they can't resell a, a, a ticket at the end of the day, so... If they want the stadium full, they would need to obviously give them away for for free. So yeah, I can understand. So that, that looks... I can I can kind of understand that from a business point of view because yeah, you'll give away free free seats, which are maybe I think I think it's on record as two hundred sixty one Green Brigade members. So yeah, if you give away the two hundred sixty one seats for free, if some if every person spends a fiver at the in the concourses and food and things like that, so. I can understand from a business point of view. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Michael Nicholson and Peter Lawwell to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, I, I get it. Look, different views, obviously, the Green Brigade and that, but I yeah. do hope it gets resolved soon. And obviously, we're back in domestic action. Franny against Aberdeen. They came off a good result last night against Pauk, um, two each, away from home. And that's a good shout. Aberdeen Mortar Kennel Foundation is a fantastic organisation. Helping all the privileged kids and things like that is fantastic. But, um, I, agree with that, but I think that's a bit ooh, What does a scab mean? What does that mean over in Scotland? Just an arsehole, mate. Just all right, fair enough. But we're playing Aberdeen at home. It's on TV. Sunday kickoff. I think it's like half two or something like that on Sky. Aberdeen are off, as I said, a good result away from home. Uh, two each. So what's the majority of the game? They played some decent football. That team, Pogger, have good players like Tyson and and players of that caliber, and that they pulled off. They should have actually won the game at Batadre as well, but got done over in the end by again penalty kicks and VAR getting involved. But at the end of the game, Franny home crowd, as you said, packed stadium with the the new Green Brigade coming in and the real seating. He'll he'll feed the bear. But um, <laughs> what what are you expecting? I think for me, Aberdeen are a bit hot and cold. I, I know. By Robson had a bit of a rough time there, but European football, he seems to be doing quite well in terms of competing there and getting results. Mixed back in a tough game, they always line up with the, the usual kind of 3 5 2 formation. Duke Miofsky, um, Rubicides, the centre half, he's a big animal, by the way. He gets stuck into everything. He tackled the player by sliding his head in. Mm-hmm. He slid, did a sliding tackle, did a header. He, he looks a good player. Um, Leighton Clarkson, Johnny Hayes, Graham Shinney could round them all off, but they're, they're a decent outfit. It'll be a tough game. and one, hopefully, we get a comfy result in. I've, I'm not looking forward to it, Stephen. Like you say, Aberdeen are fairly hot and cold in the league, but I mean, not that they've been pulling up season in Europe, but they seem to be seem to be doing okay in Europe and things. But the fact, like, I think if we were going up to Patodja, especially off the back of Tuesday night, yeah, that's a good shot. 
yeah. I would have been going, yeah, this could we still have a wee bit of European hangover feeling sorry for sale after after getting absolutely gobbed? Again, you could flip that and say, well, maybe back to a point to prove, and that's that's the way I'm hoping they'll look at it. I think Rogers will maybe be drilling that the the players they they probably claim they don't read the papers and social media, but I think they do. I think they do in this day and age. Ah, of course they do. Of course they do. We all know that they use social media and things like that for their for their own gain for to make a wee bit extra extra money. So they'll they'll hear, have read the room and stuff. They'll have seen the criticisms and a lot of justified and things. Um, so I, I'm hoping Sunday they'll they'll be out to out to prove a point. I mean, it's not to show say that look, this is a team that that was a, that was a one-off because obviously it's Athletic Madrid, but just to show that by the way that we're hurting as well. That that type of attitude, just go out, yeah, a really dominant performance. We might be might be helped by the fact that obviously we've had a, a day or two more to recover than than Aberdeen played. But obviously Aberdeen might. Might have a bit of adrenaline off the back of a, a decent enough away result where we, as I say, we got hammered. So I, I think due to Aberdeen's domestic form being a wee bit hot and cold, and maybe just I think maybe that's a lot to do with them struggling to cope with European football and domestic football combining the, the two together. So uh, I think with being at Parkhead, Rangers likely will have reduced the gap to five points. Because um, I don't see we Martin Dale, we has Bill again as a favour uh, at, at the the body spaghetti had. So I think we'll work just to say, look, let's go. We, we'll show you that we are hurting today, and we're. I think we'll put Aberdeen to the sword, and I think it'll be a really. I think it'll be. I think it could be a sore one for Aberdeen. What's your your lineup score prediction then? Lineup: Joe Hart picks his cell. Simply, I mean, I, I think he's in, in on merit, but even then, it's you would wouldn't be anywhere else. Alistair, I think Alistair Johnson will keep his place. I think there's fair argument to pay a fair argument to maybe play Tony Ralston. Just, I think Alistair Johnson has been, mm, he's, he's been good enough, but at the same time, I think he's not been at the standards that we know we can hit. So, I'm a bit of coming in just to. Give him a wee kick up the arse to say, look, well, your, your position's no, 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 so sure as young. But I, again, I don't, I'm a strong believer to try to keep your back five as consistent as you can. So yeah. for me, I think it's, I think I go with Johnson, Carter Vickers, say the other skills, they just kind of, I know they're off his back, but you just kind of drop them now. Um, and Taylor, it's, again, Taylor has been coming on to a, Want to form domestically, but you're just never making a case for Bernard being in that team right now. I don't care what. It just doesn't say. I don't care what Taylor does right now. The fact that, yeah, speaking of social media, you look at Poddy Bernabe's at Senate and Buck being at Celtic. It's barbecues at the back. He's on beaches and that. So that guy knows he's done it. Him and Segrist. Him and Segrist both. So uh, the back five for me picks itself. Midfields with it. I mean, it's it's O'Reilly and McGregor that's in. Does Tumble come back in because it's at home and domestic? Does a water maybe get a run? I don't. I I, I I think Tumble will come back in, mate. I think Bernabe was in just because his legs. I think Tumble will be in because he's obviously 
he's had a good run of game. He had two go- two games, two goals. He's in decent form. I think he'll come in. And midfield, at, at, well, the front three, I think. Now, does, when Maeda been injured, does he play Kyogo? No. I'm going to stick my neck on the line, mate. I think brain tells you Forrest comes in for Maeda. Oh, I think God, brain tells you that. But no. I'm going to front three. I'm not thinking I'm changing shape, so I'm thinking a front three, Louis Palmer, Kyogo, and O. I like that. What What's the score? I'm going 4-0, mate. 4-0. I'll go Joe Hart, Johnson, Vickers, Scales, Taylor. McGregor won't start, in my opinion. I'll go Iwata, mm-hmm. O'Reilly, Bernardo as a midfield three. Up top, I'll go, look, I know you're being bold, but I don't think, I think you'll go like that. I'll go Yang, Kyogo, and Palma. And I'll stick with you. I'll stick with a 4 0 result as well. But, Franny, that brings us to the end of a, an eventful podcast. I think we got a lot off our chest and everyone got involved in the comments. And also, again, everybody, get involved on our TikTok page. Just search up Endless Celts and you'll, you'll find us there. We've got a, a Gooby community building like we do here on um, on YouTube. We want that to keep growing. There's some cracking videos that, that William has, uh, Willie has done cracking jobs with. Some are laugh, some are really in-depth as well and, and good. But yeah, Franny, get involved with TikTok and have you enjoyed this, this podcast? Uh, it was good, Steve. It was good. Nice wee, nice wee debates on Europe and the, the fans of the moment, the Green Brigade. Oh, 100% mate. But until... Thank you, Coro. Until Monday, hopefully after another, well, another, a great result against Aberdeen. Maybe the 4-0 four, the four win that we're, we're both speaking about. Put that in the Super 6, although you can't do it for Scottish football. You know what I mean? But get your Super 6 scores in by Aye. tomorrow, isn't it? Get them in for the, the Aye, weekend games tomorrow, and, and, and close that gap at the top. But until Monday, stay well, keep safe. Hail, hail. <laughs>